You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight, we're talking about the second Star Wars film, The Empire Strikes Back. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Howdy. And tonight, we are talking about 1980s The Empire Strikes Back. Apparently, George Lucas's least favorite Star Wars film. Yeah, that's right. That's what he said at a publicist luncheon. I think uh, I think that article was on Slash Film. We'll put that in the show notes for you guys. So strange. So definitely not my least favorite you know it is heralded worldwide as the best star wars yeah usually usually this is the one everyone picks which it should be it is by far amazing if we're talking about it we usually like it yeah we 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 get pretty excited about stuff you know i mean we like movies you know empire strikes back what an insanely great film a lot of character development in here Big change of pace opens up the Star Wars universe in it huge just ways. Blows it wide open. Yeah, we get a lot of different things, a lot of different elements. We build upon our mythology here. Well, a lot of things happen here. Well, you're coming out of you're coming out of Star Wars: A New Hope. You know, you've been introduced to this 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 idea of a Jedi and this empire that's building a Death Star, and there's this Rebel Alliance. You've met all these people. You've met them. Now you get to really know them, and their their journey continues, but it, it's not just like a regular sequel where it's rehashing the first one. You're, you're continuing a story. These characters grow in ways that, man, it is amazing. It, it's really interesting, too, like how this movie starts off. Like, the first one did have such a positive concept. Like, yeah, there were bad things that happened to build suspense and things, but at the end of the day, it was a it was a family friendly kind of adventure film. This is soul crushing. A lot of really dark stuff happens in this movie, and a lot of things that are like I don't know, very adult. Like I didn't I didn't get a lot of the things that were were in this film. Like the whole the, the Dagobah scene later, where Luke shows up. And he goes into that training area. I didn't really get all that as a kid. Symbolism that just kind of went over your head? Yeah. Little little six-year-old me was kind of like, uh-huh, okay. And moving on. Where's the lightsaber fight? Because <laughs> the middle of this movie as a child, you know, well, you know, once you get through the initial Yoda. Oh, yeah, Yoda's in this film. What up? Frank, a, very, uh, a very realistic-looking Yoda. 
I mean, as realistic as a puppy can can look. Uh, to me, it's totally believable. Like that looks way more real than the CGI Yoda does. Yeah, I mean, it looks real, but like they can't move him, and you can kind of tell because filmmaking techniques have improved so much now. You can kind of tell by the shots that they're fra- purposely framing. Yeah, but stop thinking about that and just watch the movie. It works. Well, I, well, that's what I'm saying. Like it's you know now watching a modern film. Watching this, it was made, oh my god, over 30 years ago. Yoda looks great. No, I mean, it, it looks great, but I mean, you know, I'm just saying, from a modern, like, if you watch this film today, for the very first time, you can tell that, that they're shooting around the special effects. They do it well. They do do it well. They do. Especially when you consider, like, the, man, I mean, just puppeteering in general, getting that performance from like because frank oz was doing a majority of it but there were other people there doing facial expressions and pulling different chords and stuff and it's got to be tough they had to practice it a lot yeah and he went back and they had to reshoot a couple scenes because you know frank was like hey we can do it better let's do it better then come on let's do it come on lucas pony up that dough after the success of star wars which was gigantically huge lucas was able to finance these films himself now we're talking about independent movies. This is probably the first real big budget uh, blockbuster independent film. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that Star Wars is independent, but Lucas had all the rights to the sequels, so he financed everything. Paid for everything out of pocket with money from uh, from the first Star Wars film. I was actually uh, Apocalypse Now, a really great movie. I was reading some behind the scenes on that a couple months ago, maybe a year ago. And I came across this story where Francis Ford Coppola actually sent Lucas uh, a letter after after Star Wars had come out. Being like, hey, man, I need some money to finish this movie. <laughs> you got some money? Because I know you're rich now. How about you help me out? Did he? I don't know. I did, they did, the article did not say. I'm sure he did. You know, Lucas and Coppola are pretty tight. If nothing else, he was like, hey, let's go jump on a jet and go see Kurosawa in Japan. It'll be awesome. <laughs> but this movie introduces a lot of stuff. Not really realizing it, watching it this time, they never use any of the telekinesis power of the Force, pulling things to you. That's never done in Star Wars A New Hope. That got introduced in this film. And that is a huge thing that has just gone on for the rest of the trilogy and well, the other it's, prequels. It's, it's Empire that sets the tone of like... Almost everything that goes on. It's pretty much the universe from from Star Wars. Most of it comes from Empire. A lot of the... Man, so many of the freaking great lines that Darth Vader has from this movie. Boba Fett. Everybody's favorite bounty hunter, right? The Emperor is introduced on camera for the first time. Yeah. Either looking like a chimpanzee-eyed man. like that. Didn't they use chimp eyes for the original? They used like some kind of chimp eyes on a regular guy's face in the in the original. Of course, if you buy the Blu-rays, you're stuck with the uh, re-releases, and it, it's got uh, Emperor Palpatine. I forget that actor's name from Episodes One, Two, and Three in Return of the Jedi. Right. It's not. It's not a terrible scene. No, both 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 versions work. Yeah, they do kind of give different vibes. We were we were looking at both versions earlier, and in the original version, to me, it seemed like Vader knew Luke was his son, and in the re-release new version, he doesn't until Emperor Palpatine tells him. Yeah, they make sure it's real clear 
in the re-release that because he he acts very surprised. He's like, "How is that possible?" Yeah, how is that possible? When I first saw like even the original version, the whole like when the crawl comes up and it says that you know Vader is looking for Luke Skywalker. I assumed that he knew from the beginning of this movie, and his his sole focus in life is finding this guy. And then you know he has the the conversation with Emperor Palpatine, and he says. Uh, there's a disturbance in the voice, and Vader's like, I know, and like they're on board, they're on the same page. Emperor wants him dead, wants Luke dead, but Vader says, well, you know, hey, wait, wait a minute, but what if we change him? So to me, it always came across like Vader was almost half-assed protecting his son, and then in the re-release, if you watch it, like he doesn't have any idea. And then when Emperor Palpatine tells him, he's like, how is that possible? And then he says, well, I'll protect him, and what if we turn him? Originally, you thought, because in the scroll it says that Vader's looking for Luke Skywalker. Right. He knew he was his son, and he, was, he, had, he had been trained as a Jedi. I always read it. You blew up my awesome Death Star that was just going to tear the galaxy up, and now I'm pissed. It is kind of muddled now. <laughs> I mean, these re-releases, I mean, it's just kind of like... Well, <sighs> both ways work. Yeah, I mean, both... <sighs> Do they? I don't know. I have to think about that for a minute. They do to me. Out of all the re-releases and all the changes, I think Empire by far is... Least offensive. Yeah. I do have a real big problem with Boba Fett's voice, man. They they got that uh, Jango Fett actor from Attack of the Clones, and they redubbed his voice. And, man, Boba Fett sounded so awesome. He sounded like a, a raspy, like, Snake Plissken, Clint Eastwood. You may take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I have Skywalker. He's no good to me, Dad. Now he sounds like Jango Fett. You may take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I have Skywalker. He's no good to me, Dad. Like, wonder why they did that. He's just kind of boring voice. Well, I mean, I know why he did it, to tie it in. But everything doesn't have to... I know everything doesn't have to tie God it in. Damn, Look. I hate these prequels. I fucking can't stand these prequels. Like, I understand, like, Lucas wanting, wanting them to connect... But it's just one of those things is like, it doesn't matter if his son sounds different. It's just a voice that I've lived with for so long. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen the movie so many times this one way. You know, like, all right, replacing the emperor with, or, you know, with the same guy. I can get that. Okay. You want your characters to look the same throughout your, okay, I get it. But to change a voice like that, it seems a little. Yeah. It's almost a little bit of an F you to the to the fans, in my opinion. Yeah, it's Boba Fett too, man. Like that's a pretty like, big I, fan do favorite. You, do you think? Do you think Lucas? I, if anybody knows George Lucas, feel free to ask him this. <laughs> do you think he does certain things that are just a little bit of like, oh, you, they didn't like this, so well, fuck them. I'll I'll make it even worse. Like the new from Episode Three. Like, that was the moment that took them completely out of the movie. And then he adds it to Return of the Jedi. Why? Yeah, well, I don't think he used to be that way. I think when he started these prequels, and ep- when episode one came out and got a lot of hate, I think he got really butthurt about that. Because I think, because every time he's released a Star Wars movie up until that point... it's It's been loved. Yeah. Not the case in the prequels. He could have taken Jar Jar Binks out of... Two and three, but I feel like he purposefully put, put him a, in yeah, put as four, a senator. Yeah, just to be like, hey guys, look, he's not going to be in the movie that much, but fuck you, I'm not cutting him out. Right. 
I'm just curious. Did did does Lucas have these little moments where he's like, you know what? Fuck them. I don't care what they think. I'm a fucking billionaire. I do what I want. He did give us Empire Strikes Back along with director Kirshner. Yeah, Ivan Kirshner directed this, uh, who I know from RoboCop 2 fame. <laughs> what? The guy? The guy's made a lot of sequels. Uh, I mean, it is... Varying just, degrees of success. It, it, is, it is by far my favorite Star Wars film. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it's where Vader becomes... He's not just the henchman aboard the Death Star taking orders from Moth Tarkin. He's dude in charge. He wants to find the Skywalker asshole and kill him. And then he wants to find the Skywalker asshole and talk to him. Well, I like it too. Like, in, like Vader in this, he's like completely evil. They make sure that, like, well, in the first one, layered, he argues with people. Well, it's a layered evil too, though. What do you um, mean layered? Well, I mean, at the same time, he's, he's, he tells Emperor Palpatine he'll join us or die. But then later he's telling Luke, let's kill the Emperor. I'll keep you alive. You and me will kill the Emperor, and we'll we'll rule the galaxy. He's not the henchman anymore. He he's a free thinking evil being. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's a nice nice Shakespearean element to it. But well, it's, what what's so what's so wonderful about it though is that it's it just takes that mythology from the first one, and it it's just dropped lines, man. It's just these little dropped lines from the first one, like um, Darth Vader killed your father. Darth Vader was a Jedi that was seduced by the dark side of the Force. And then you just, you turn it into this huge story with this one line of, I am your father. Holy shit, there's a whole, like, backstory that suddenly is going around in your head, like, holy crap, okay, so he was his dad, he was seduced by this dark side, he didn't know about, oh wow, it just takes this universe and just expands it like a balloon. At the same, I don't know, it, it changes Vader's character a little bit. Vader was totally on like a. I feel like he was on a leash in the Death Star. Oh, this is this like, is Vader unleashed. Yeah, like I was gonna say that earlier. Yeah, like actually, uh, and he's even arguing in the first movie with those guys. He's not killing them, right? You know, he comes close to killing that one dude, but he releases. When Tarkin him. tells him to stop. He you knows know. who his boss is. Yeah, he's like, all right, okay. He that's is. Cool. He is not in charge. But man, he has clearly been put in charge at this point. Yeah, Darth Vader just starts. Dropping admirals like fucking hotcakes in this movie, man. Yeah, the demotion process in the Empire is kind of... They need a better union. Dude, if you, don't, you don't get fired in the Empire. You just no, and straight to death. Nobody wants a promotion. Everybody's like, I'll, I'll stay as a private, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll push the little red button. <laughs> uh, as a kid, just the, the idea that there was somebody more powerful... Darth Vader was calling master. Well, it what it does is when he goes into that communication room and he takes it he takes the call from Palpatine. You immediately understand that okay, Vader's bad, but it ups the level of evil on the empire because if Vader is that bad, he's been killing admirals, he's willing to blow up planets, he's willing to do whatever he has to do. That guy's like Satan himself. I hate to bring up The Dark Knight Rises again, damn it, but I'm going to have to, where it's like... You know, How do you connect every movie to The Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> all right, okay, so... You uh, cannot tell me that you honestly think they copied The Dark Knight Rises for Empire Strikes Back. Well, no, I mean... The movie came out before. No, what I'm saying, as an example, 
Okay. Bane's character, when you find out, all right, spoiler for The Dark Knight Rises, you haven't seen this that movie, skip ahead a couple minutes. If you haven't seen that movie, fuck you, man, you should have seen it. Yeah, you should really watch it, it's pretty good. You have Bane coming to, into that film, and he is he is like your Darth Vader. But when you have that reveal switch at the end, where you realize he's not really the big bad, kind of neuters Bane. In Empire Strikes Back, this does nothing to Darth Vader. It, it just, does not neuter him at all. In fact, it just creates more menace because there's somebody out there worse. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it's just a. It's nice to see it when it's done right. You're comparing an end of the movie twist with in Star Wars. We hear a reference to the Emperor. Empire Strikes Back. We're introduced to this character. Well, I'm comparing them because I. I mean, it's the same thing. But it's not a twist ending. It's You're just being introduced to this character that's sort of a... He's just off doing his... He's, he's in the universe somewhere. I know. I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that that's not, a, that's not a twist or anything, but it's that character switch where you, ha- where you have somebody that is you didn't know about before that's now uber-powerful, more powerful than the but you bad did guy. Know, you did know about him from Star Wars. You, you know that there's an emperor... That is their boss. Yeah, but you don't know that the minute he comes on that screen and says, I feel a disturbance in the force, you're like, oh, my God. The Emperor's a devil-worshipping guy, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I just thought, like, the way they describe him in Star Wars, this is like, oh, well, you know, he's just some... Some suit in an office somewhere. Yeah. Like all these little references they put in, and we'll get into more of that in um, Empire Strikes Back next week, but... This is Empire Strikes Back. I mean, uh, Return of the Jedi. I don't know why I keep flip-flopping those titles in my head, but... When we do Return of the Jedi next week, we'll get more into like these little things that they put in throughout the movie that, that really, as a kid, made me go back and watch this film over and over again because I want to know all these little details. I want oh, to yeah. know like, – because there are things that are dropped throughout this movie. Well, it's such a rich and story the that you – carry over. You want to you wanna fulfill the need to, to just collect every bit of information about the story. And there are all these interesting side characters that just pop in for like a scene or something. You're like – Oh man, you look awesome! I want to know everything about you. <laughs> we just need to start going through the movie. I guess we don't really need to go over the box office or anything like that. I mean, it did well. It made a lot of money. <laughs> it did make a lot of money, but it did not. It actually made quite a bit less, almost a hundred million less, if not more, than the first Star Wars movie. Because I think the first Star Wars movie ended up with a little over three hundred, and this ended out its initial run with just barely over two hundred. It didn't make two ten. It still made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I think it was still, at the time, it was still one of the top ten movies released. You know, I mean, it would put it right under Jaws. I mean, it still made more than Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, I, it, yeah, it made a lot of money. But none of these films equaled to the box office success of the original. Or, well, the original was just a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it, yeah, the bomb that went off at the right time. Even as a kid, Empire was... I love the Hoth scene. I love the whole, the walkers, the snow, the abominable snowman. They're called wampas, dude. It looks a lot like the abominable snowman from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They did, okay, now you brought up wampas. They did have a whole scene in the very beginning on the planet of Hoth where they had these wampas. Now these wampas were originally supposed to be like a problem. They'd shot some stuff. If you watch the behind the scenes on the Blu-ray, they have some 
little making of and uh, they have these deleted scenes where you can see these really terribly shitty guys that are dressed in these horrible wampa suits. It just looks like ass face. It is absolutely terrible. And we're, I'm really glad they cut it. It's so bad. So originally it was like this, they're a problem. Yeah, originally like they were attacking the, the rebel base. base and they don't show it because I don't think they shot all of it because I think Kirshner was like, well, this shit looks like crap. There's a they did shoot a scene where they I guess they have them all in one room and that there there's this yellow piece of paper on the door that has some kind of, you know, Star Wars language written on it. I guess it says Wampa's in here, do not enter. And C3PO comes by and rips off the note from the door and he walks on by and meanwhile some stormtroopers are coming through and they're blasting the place up now and they're like oh hey look there must be some rebels in this door open the door in comes this giant muppet hand he grabs this dude and the door closes and that's it wait that was gonna be the whole scene with the wampas that was so they had captured some wampas instead of like just killing them yeah because they're the good guys yeah you know you want to just start going around and Murdering indigenous species off planets, man. Well, Luke does. <laughs> well, it, look, all right, let's 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 not judge Luke. He was in a life-or-death situation here, all right? Calm down. <sighs> we're going to get PETA calling Mark Hamill. <laughs> uh, no wampas were harmed in the filming of this movie. Sir, you killed two Tauntauns and one Womp on the planet of Hoth. I remember being, as, you know, as a kid, like, even the idea of when Han cuts over the Tauntaun and puts Luke inside it to keep him warm. I remember just thinking that was such a cool idea. I remember going straight to my grandfather asking, like, in the Wild West, if it got really cold and your horse died, he'd say, oh, yeah, you cut it open and get inside. That'd keep you warm. So, guys, if you're you're ever in Antarctica, you know. Or desert. Yeah, hopefully. You know, there's a polar bear that's already dead, so you don't have to kill it. And you can just crawl inside. Or your horse dies. Yeah. I don't think I could crawl into a horse, though. Horses kind of small, you know. There's big old horses out there. I don't know, man. I don't know if I could fit into a horse. I bet you. Could. Yeah, I bet you could. You got to get, but he's got bones and stuff. And well, so does grizzly bears. Yeah, but they just they just look. got longer fur. Something about a grizzly bear just sounds more warm. <laughs> we could just you could just take the dead paws and wrap. Okay, this is getting creepy. Why uh, are you imagining cuddling with a bear? What? The point is that if I've been watching the Revenant trailer over and over. If there's a dead animal and you're cold, and that I thought it was cool that they put it in the movie. It is cool. I do like the intestines. It does lead to a weird scene of, um, you know, after Luke is captured by the the Wampa, and you know he he escapes by using the Force, cuts the Wampa's arm off. Han finds him after he's told to go to the Dagobah system to train with the Jedi Master who trained Obi Wan. Then they put Luke in a water tank to to warm him up. With a nice set of Depends on. Yeah. They boiled him. Okay, see, I always thought that they did this, and they say that that's not the reason. Mark Hamill got into a car accident, and that's why he looks different from A New Hope. Right. I don't think it's really, like, when I was a kid, I never noticed he looked different at all. As an adult, I can tell just a little bit, but not much. It wasn't anything that, like, stood out to me. So he gets attacked by a wampa, and and everybody just assumed it. Like, oh well, this to explain why he looks different. Lucas has said on the record that the reason they did it was to add tension in the beginning of the script. I don't know. It seems a little convenient to me. 
I'm not going to argue with Lucas, though, because I mean, he just, made the movies. I mean, I always assumed it was in the script so that they could have a moment where Luke was, you know, he shows the Force, that he's learned the Force a little bit more, and he can make the lightsaber come to his hand, and you get a cool lightsaber shot, and then you get the moment where he's passed out in the snow, and Obi-Wan lies to him about who trained him. We're just talking about scenes in the movie. Let's, let's go into the movie now. Let's play the trailer, take a break, we'll come back. We're going to get into The Empire Strikes Back. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. continuing story of our band of heroes luke skywalker princess leia han solo c-3po r2d2 and chewbacca and introducing lando calrissian it's an epic of romance of heroes and villains They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. A galactic odyssey against oppression. We're talking Empire Strikes Back. So this is the first time that we get the episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. Which I bet confused the living sh- muck out of everybody that went to see it. Uh, maybe. Uh, the hardcore fans, it got it got re-released the year before, and they, they put the four on there. The episode four. So some people had seen it with the four. Well, you're going to imagine how confusing that was. <laughs> Where's the rest of them? <laughs> <laughs> Are they on Betamax or something? I don't get it. Uh, Wait, well, I don't even think beta was a thing then, man. Was but, beta a thing then? I don't know. I'll have to look up when Beta came out. Yeah, I'd have to look up too, man. I don't think Beta was a home use thing, man. Like, we weren't rich enough to have it. I remember in 85, Beta was a thing, but I don't I don't I, remember 4. I remember even as a kid being like, why is this episode 4? I am so confused. I never really thought about it much when I was a kid. I just Part of the reason why is because when I first saw these movies, I couldn't fucking read yet. <laughs> I could not read all the words, like, pursued and... I was six, all right? Back off. I couldn't read. I mean, I just remember... I, I remember being like, episode five, but this is the second movie. This is so confusing. Okay, the second movie is episode five, so there's three movies that... Three movies that he hasn't made yet? I don't understand. Why would you start in the middle of your story? See, I'd already gotten, like... By the time I was asking those questions, I was already, like, in Star Wars culture by that point. And it was like, oh, yeah, well, of course, yeah. He's going to go back and do... Actually, we didn't know he was going to go back and do 1, 2, and 3 at that point. I I wonder if it was just a whim. Like, he was... Just one day, he was like, all right, we'll just call it episode 4. It'd be hilarious. I mean, I know he claims that he originally had a nine-movie story written out, but 
He had he had nine movies. I've heard two rumors. I've heard one that he said he had a six movie story written out. Yes, yeah, what I've always heard. And then I heard that he had a nine movie story written out. Did not know that. Um, read it actually not too long ago because he actually gave notes for the new trilogy that I don't know if they're going to keep or not. Oh, okay, so it's 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 Lucas revisionist history. So okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean you never know. Like, <laughs> I mean he wrote the first one, so uh, who knows what he I mean? Did he have a note for like this is where everything's going to go, or is he just making it up? It is possible that he had an outline when he wrote Star Wars for a story that he then looked at and went, oh, this could be nine movies, or it could be possible that he wrote Star Wars, it did well, and he went, okay, well, let's make Empire, and we'll make him his dad, and that'll be a big shock, because he was missing his dad in the first movie, and call it episode five. Fuck with him a little bit. Play it off, you know, like the, you know, the Flash Gordon thing. They were always like, episode 16, so we'll just do episode five. Just call it episode five. I saw these, I was so young, I was such an idiot, that when I first saw it, it was like... Episode V? What? <laughs> that must be some star language. I didn't know. I didn't know Roman numeral. I didn't know the. <sighs> you didn't ask questions. I always ask. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, well, yeah. What I does asked, that mean, Dad? Yeah. Shut up, boy. Well, you can ask questions afterwards. We have a very. We always had a very strict. You know, don't talk during the movie. Kind of. That I I've continued through my life. I I hate when fucking people talk in movies. It drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. If my kids have questions about, like, what does the V mean, I'm going to stop and talk to them about it. You don't talk. Anyway, okay. You know, if one of them asks what's the uh, inner motivation for this character to want to do this, yeah, then we'll stop and have a, you know, character motivation conversation. Break it down with your, your kids. Hey, uh, so the reason um, well, well, this you know, guy we'll, raped we'll this woman to, over here was... We'll try to relate everything back to the Dark Knight somehow or another. It's a gift I have. <laughs> it's an obsession you have. <sighs> Though, that, hey, come on. Second best trilogy of all time, man. It's got to be. It's, uh, I don't know, Indiana Jones. Third best trilogy of all time. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, yeah. I would say right off the top of my head, yeah. Yeah. So, movie starts off very differently here. We are on an ice planet. Something that kind of bothered me. I'm playing the Star Wars Battlefront game right now, and it got me thinking, why in the Star Wars universe do the planets only have one environment? Uh, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Like, cause Tatooine, like, I guess I always thought that it was that they were just in the desert part. But if you look at it from outer space in the matte shot, that whole planet is brown. Right. There is no green. You don't see any oceans. It's like a desert planet. Now Hoth is just an ice planet, which I I kind of understand that a little bit better. Ice planet makes more sense. Yeah. Green moon of Endor makes no sense. Well, even in the prequels, like you get to Coruscant, it's like. The whole city's a fucking planet. Like, where do they get their water supply, dude? It's pumped in from wells underground. But there are no clouds. Like, you gotta break... Come on here. Like, make the... It's just something that, like... I've just been playing this game... That game recently. And I was just like, wow, that's... We- it's really weird. Because it got me thinking about just the worlds that they're in. But... Alright, Hoth, we're here. We get some Tauntauns. We get a lot of stop motion here that we didn't really get last time. Uh, the AT... A.T. Walkers, the Tauntauns, uh, Phil Tibbet did the special effects. He also did some of the go motion um, dinosaur that he did for uh, Jurassic Park before mm-hmm. they ended up going with the uh, the CGI dinos. Uh, this is his stuff, man. I, I really, I really like the the stop motion work here. I think this is some really good good stop motion. 
the Tauntauns, not not as much, but the Walkers, I think, are just oh, that that's one of the, my favorite battle scenes in the whole Star Wars. Top of the line, just some of the best. Like that that vehicle was made to be animated via stop motion. You know, I've heard people say, "Well, why would you even make these giant dog-looking robots? Because it's perfect to attack an ice planet." Well, they say, look, the the shield is up, all right? Darth Vader has to choke some motherfucker because he he brings him out of hyperspace too close to the planet. What is it, General? My lord, the fleet has moved out at light speed. Comscan has detected an energy field protecting an area of the sixth planet of the Hoth system. The field is strong enough to deflect any bombardment. The rebels are alerted to our presence. Admiral Ozzel came out of light speed too close to the system. He, he felt surprised, was wiser. He is as clumsy as he is stupid. General, prepare your troops for a surface attack. Yes, my lord. Lord Vader, the fleet has moved out to light speed and we're preparing to... You have failed me for the last time, Admiral. Captain Piet. Yes, my lord. Make ready to land our troops beyond their energy field, then deploy the fleet so that nothing gets off the system. You are in command now, Admiral Piet. Thank you, Lord Vader. Because Darth Vader just wants to pull up to the planet and shoot some shit from outer space down there and blow him up. I guess also goes against the idea that he doesn't know Luke Skywalker's his son yet. Because he wouldn't just, like, roll up to the planet and be like, yeah, I'm going to roll up here. And well, they, just... were, they were trying to surprise them. Well, they're trying to surprise him, but I think the idea is that they roll up there and they're going to... I never got that at all. How do they get the walkers down there? They land the ships outside of the field range, and then they take the walkers in. Dude, I didn't, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what the movie, what they say in the movie, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, I just assumed they were going to attack the base. So that was the plan. We're going to attack the base. Yeah, but they, I think they were originally planning to pull up, shoot shit from outer space, and go home. I think they were going to pull up, drop walkers, shoot some TIE fighters in, and then go home. But they can't get the TIE fighters in. Why don't they just blow the planet up? I don't think they could blow the planet up. They don't have a Death Star anymore. You're sure a Star Destroyer can blow up a big section of a planet. Why didn't they do that? Because they had the shield up. But you're blowing up a big section of the planet. I think the shield is over the base. Well, the shield may be over the base. It may not be over the entire planet, but it's over enough of the planet that they can't bombard... Because they say they, they can't bombard it. Yeah, because that's what I always thought they were going to do, is send in like little planes along with the walkers. But oh, they can't I thought the they planes were... planes in, so now they have to just send the damn walkers. Well, when they say they're going to bombard it, I think they're going to... I think they're going to shoot down. Yeah, I never thought that. I thought they were going to send an aerial bombardment, but that's that's a military term. You're, you're thinking they were going to shock and awe it. Yeah. Steal, I, steal from uh, Jordan W. Yeah, I think that's what they were going to do. Up for debate. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, why would he be mad if the shield was up if that's what they were going to do anyway? Because he can't get his planes in there. Your aerial attack is the most important first first line of attack you can take everything out with your planes and then you go in with your walkers drop your stormtroopers in you take it over hmm internet we're gonna we're gonna need you we're gonna need you listeners to chime in on this one. Ooh, this, I mean, this that's basic military strategy uh, these these guys are well above basic but, military strategy you know something i thought was interesting they have too. you know who's in charge of that base no because there's an admiral there and I, i'm pretty sure Ab, the admiral's Admirals outrank commanders. 
the crawl says rebel base led by Luke Skywalker. Yeah, well, I think that means it's led by like because he's the Jedi, like because they keep they they make sure that you know in this movie, really damn sure that if Luke Skywalker dies, the rebellion is fucked. Like the way Yoda makes it sound later in the movie is like this is it. So yeah, the the big ba- uh, general the big, Leia, the big battle scene on. Um, on Hoth is we we talked about the Wampa stuff. I always like that one shot, and it's just one shot in the movie where you see the ATSTs that later show up at the at the indoor battle. Always wondered if they were like why that was in there because they had to build that model. Because George Lucas had some cartoonists draw it, and he was cut it in his little animatics. And they got that animatic, and they went, "All right, we got to build this little chicken-looking thing." Yes, yeah, somebody somebody animated it, and it's they don't do anything with it. It's just in that one little shot. I guess they were like, "Oh, it's." A, we, we talked about that on the last podcast, but I thought one. that was a brilliant way to you know to come up with what you're to storyboard. Oh, we did talk about that last week, and, didn't we? And design an action sequence like that. Luke, yeah, Lucas was actually cutting back in uh, California where they were shooting. I think they were shoot, they shot this stuff in Norway. So he was back uh, cutting, and man, the special effects things were taking forever because on Hoth, everything's freaking white, and the special effects guys were losing their minds with all the matte lines. And if you watch the original cut of this, you can see through the speeders. The speeders are transparent, all the POV shots, and the snow speeders that the Rebels are driving like blow up. You can see the real blue yeah, yeah. matte lines all around them, and... I bet you the special effects guys at Island were just like, God damn you, George Lucas, why fucking but it, frozen it, planet? But it is a really smart idea. Because he, basically he had the scenes cut with cartoons added of what special effects shots needed to be. So then he could yep. send that to ILM and say, hey, copy this. Which gives them an exact camera move that they're copying. Yeah. It's what became known as animatics. I can remember the yes. first time... I ever saw a movie, and I don't remember what movie it is, but I remember it was a Spielberg film, and they were on the making of, and they showed the animatics of what they were going to shoot, and I was like, that's brilliant. I want to do that. I want to animatic something. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't like animatics, man. It takes out the first that first joy of first discovery. Like, Yeah, but you're not the guy that has to sit and explain to the camera guy, the actor, what everybody's going to do. I would love to be able to go, watch that do that <laughs> you know I, I don't know i think the the special part of filmmaking is putting it together and the love and you know you can still have love it just makes the vision clarified yeah i know it, it makes it easier for you to do your job but you know and, you're not gonna have that moment of all right so everybody knows what we're doing all right i'll be back in a minute hey guys that camera's in the wrong place i thought we were shooting from over here in the battle hoth the snow speeders they get the tow cable, and they start going around and wrapping up the legs and everything. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. We get Wedge back. And I really like that Luke, he actually gets shot down. But he is such a badass. He's like, man, look, you guys need snow speeders and all this crap to take him down. I have a lightsaber. Yeah. I'm just going to go shoot up here, whip a hole in, chuck a grenade in, bada bing, bada boom, AT-AT down. Now I only got to worry about five or six, seven more, you know. <laughs> and the whole time they're evacuating the base. Yeah. With the ion cannon. Which I guess is like some kind of EMP. 
like you know shooting a big blast into space to clear this clear that traveling path I mean you see it fire like, it, you think it's going to be like a laser or something but it just hits the ships and it like causes them to spark and then they just start sinking in space yeah. and you know what unlike Godzilla and uh, Pacific Rim the EMP it actually works and we don't see that Death Star start back up again like two seconds later so you know look at that the Star Destroyer uh, yeah not the Death Star the Star Destroyer yeah hey I wonder if in the new in the new sequel will it say not that long ago <laughs> in a galaxy far far away they're gonna rectify it and be like right, well it's a little newer guys it's just not that long ago. Maybe they'll change it to a couple of months ago. If the they galaxy. change that, man, nerds would lose their I would lose my mind. I did I hear that there's an end credit scene. Do we have to do that every fucking rumor. movie, man? Come on. Get the fuck out. All right, all right, all right. Positive thinking, positive thinking. So, yeah, oh, it's going to be good. I'm telling you, it's going to be a good movie. So after the Battle of Hoth, Princess Leia... Han Solo, Chewbacca. Well, it's after the Battle of Hoth was where the movie takes off. That's where it goes to a completely new level that you're not expecting. Yeah. It's kind of like a James Bond cold open here. It's just like, you know, gets us into the action, gets us out. We, we know what's going on. Uh, but Luke goes to Dagobah. Right. That's where Luke's character becomes... He gets his full character arc there. This is when we meet Goofy Yoda. Yeah. Going through all the snacks, man. Awesome. R2-D2's just... God, R two D two and Yoda, totally. There's there's some bad blood going on here. Mm, fine, or I will help you not. I don't want your help. I want my land back. I'm gonna need it to get out of this slimy mud hole. Mud hole? Slimy? My home? This is. R two, let him have it. R two. Move along, little fellow. We got a lot of work to do. No, no, no. Stay and help you, I will. Find your friend? I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. Jedi Master? Yoda. You seek Yoda. You think R2 remembers him? He has to. I don't well maybe he got his maybe got his memory erased and we just we didn't see that. I don't know. That that is kind of a plot hole that R two D two never does get his memory erased, right? Because C three PO is the only one that gets his memory wiped. Right. I never thought of that. So we're gonna go off the assumption that this is the first time they've met, <laughs> which is a better assumption to go off of, I think. Because it, I don't know. It's it's. I like the R two D two and uh, Yoda interplay. I think it's funny. Oh, it's great. I like how Luke is so dismissive of Yoda. I, I I like Yoda being goofy here. Oh, it's 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 perfect because it's Yoda's already giving Luke like a a trial before Luke even knows it. He's giving him his secret test. Let me see yeah. how you do reacting to my little green self. Let's see let's see what kind of person you really are. He doesn't pass it. Obi Wan has to get involved and do a little convincing here. You know. No, yeah, Yoda's ready to kick him out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, come on, look. His last name is Skywalker. Yoda remembers it didn't go too well the last time. This is his kid. You know, man, like father, like son. Just, God damn, those prequels, man. They mess up everything. <laughs> you're like, you're watching Empire, and you're like, oh, man. And, you know, his name is Skywalker, and he knows that Vader's his dad. And then you remember that, like, the prequel, and you're like, oh, that's what happened. 
I have not thought of the prequels. It doesn't happen while I'm watching the movie. It happens afterwards when I'm thinking about it. All right. Okay. Lobotomy for Benson when he leaves here. Just remove the prequel part of your brain. Oh, that would be amazing. (laughs) I do think this is a really interesting section of the movie because we get a lot of uh, character moments. Things stop kind of in the action department. Well, well, you get... We pick up in the character development. You get Luke... Like, in Luke's training, we kind of learn what kind of person Luke is, what kind of person he's becoming. It, it, you know, it's all about Luke becoming this next level of his character. Everything is symbolic of where he's going and the choices that you start seeing in this moment. That, like, okay, his choices are a little bit heavier than everybody else's because if he makes the wrong choice... He could end up being Darth Vader. He can go to the dark side. Han's not going to go to the dark side. So the weight suddenly is heavy, heavily on Luke's choices from here on out. I really enjoy all of these training sequences here. I enjoy listening to Yoda talk about the Force. Talking to him. You know, and we see all of these training elements come into play. He's lifting. uh, We're getting the vision. He's getting visions of the future. He's not a perfect hero yet. He's still making mistakes. Like when he goes to lift that X-Wing, and he's just like, ah, man, what you're asking is impossible here, you little green midget. I can't. It's too big. Size matters not. Look at me. Just me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And where you should not. For my ally is the Force. And the powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Don't judge me by my size, and he lifts it up. And I, man, I love, I love Mark. Mark Hamill in that scene is really, oh. really good. Mark Hamill in the whole Dagobah. To know how they shot it, that he can't even hear what Yoda's saying—that's all just time. Yeah. Oh man, his performance there is brilliant. Every time they cut back to him, because this is intercut between. It's been between the Millennium Falcon in the asteroid field and Luke on Dagobah. Yeah, you got to have the Millennium Falcon. They're running into some trouble, and Han and Leia are falling in love. This the asteroid sequence is amazing. It's probably my favorite thing in the film, minus the very end. I like the asteroid scene more than the Hoth battle. Yeah, the asteroid scene's fun. The asteroid scene, man, seeing that Millennium Falcon just going all around those asteroids, this made me love the Millennium Falcon. I did not love the ship until this movie. In the first Star Wars, it's like, yeah, it was constantly being a hunk of junk, and it's, you were told that it's not as cool. Seeing the ship, like all the maneuvers... Like, what they were able to do with this model, like how it just, it, the shape of it, that flat donut shape that it has. Now it comes into play and... Yeah, it's able to go in through crevices and like, 
how it swings around the asteroids and these TIE fighters just can't, they just can't do it. Ah, man, this this stuff is so good. Like, where they are physically putting the camera. through the teeth of the giant monster that it's... <laughs> yeah, dude. It just makes, it makes the Millennium Falcon so fucking awesome. This is the coolest ship, man. Just the, I love this ship so much. There's a lot of love for the Millennium Falcon. Oh, dude. It is. And, man... I like Han Solo and uh, Princess Leia. I like their love story here. It's believable. It doesn't seem forced. And even as a child, I was not bored by this. Oh, no. Well, it's it's Which two is people that crazy. are actually like portraying a, a connection. That's, that's interesting. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable at one point when he's like kind of moving in and she's like, I don't know if I want him to kiss me, but I really want him to kiss me. Uh, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's got a lot of drama. Yeah, well, got a lot of story there. They're constantly fighting the entire time. You get well, he's a scruffy they're, nerf herder. They're fighting because they she doesn't want to admit she likes him. I know. And then like there's that one moment where they're I think I forget where they are in the asteroid field, but I think they may be in that that cave with the the creature, the snake cave in or the, whatever that in thing the is. The belly of the monster. Yeah, where they turn off C3PO. And it's like they finally agree on something and they kind of stop arguing for just that just that little brief moment and that's kind of where they're like ooh, ooh, wait a minute well you know you, you're also too there she's a princess so she is her entire life people have doted on her whatever she says and then she meets this dude who argues with everything she says her being a princess doesn't mean jack crap to han solo no it does not and that's attractive to her and she does have better haircut in this movie too Oh, we were talking about this earlier. Her character, the way like the way she acts, is way better in Empire than it is in Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, she's, she's given a lot more to do here, though. Yeah, to but, be fair, she's not given a lot to do in Star Wars. I mean, she loses the sort of snooty British. Now she's just badass Princess Leia. Carrie Fisher does not have a lot of nice things to say though about George Lucas's writing. I think she's got the famous quote of, uh, George, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. <laughs> Which is just priceless Carrie Fisher, who was also going through a little bit of a cocaine problem during the making of this film. But, you know, such is life. Yeah, probably why her character so awesome. Actresses are always great when they're addicted to cocaine. They're not going to complain about working overtime. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's true. That's true. She got to party with the Rolling Stones, so there you go. Uh, when they're in the ship, too, I like Chewbacca and R, R, um, not R2-D2, C-3PO. I like how they're used here. And then it's got a nice comic effect. I like C-3PO's humor in this a lot more than in the first film, too. Well, it's better placed. Yeah. In, in the first film, it's it's almost used to... Sometimes it's used to you know push plot forward. Sometimes it's used to explain things. And this, it's used to get in the way of their love story. Or get in the way of R2 telling them that the Millennium Falcon's hyperdrive has been turned off. His humor is an obstruction to them. It's also great when uh, he's giving them the odds of survival out of the asteroid field. You don't have to do this to impress me. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. When you were when you first saw the movie as a kid, do you remember what you thought of the giant snake that they flew down? The what is it called? The space slug? Yeah, I don't think I think does it have a name? 
I the the documentary we were watching it was called a space slug. The space slug. I always wondered how it could breathe on an asteroid. Well, it's not a carbon-based life form. It doesn't need oxygen, man. It um, it's a uh, rock-based life form, huh? Yeah, it it lives off the nutrient-rich asteroid in that belt, and no, there, dude, there's no way that that thing could. I mean, do you see how big the space slug was? I mean, right. it's about the size of the asteroid. Like, the gravity from the asteroid, it would fly off into, sp- <laughs> into space. <laughs> I mean... Well, I figured it was, like, you know. somehow tucked down in there and wrapped itself into the asteroid. It's like uh, those little, uh, what are they, uh, hermit crabs that get in the uh, the shells? Yeah. That's what it was? I was like, man. No, yeah, you know, whatever. Logic and, uh, and physics, well, you know, we kind of have to throw that out here sometimes. I do like the bounty hunter sequence where he's got all the different bounty hunters all lined up. He's going after Luke. He's constantly setting these traps to get Luke Skywalker. He basically offers the bounty hunters, you can have Solo if you bring me Skywalker. Which is crazy because he's just getting Solo in them so he can torture them so that there is something in the Force, a disturbance perhaps, that Luke will see so Luke will come to Cloud City. Which I did not get that as a kid at all. Yeah, I just thought he thought Luke was on the Millennium Falcon, and it got away, so he was like, all right, damn it, the Empire can't get him, I'll hire bounty hunters to go get him. Man, I like how Bubba Fett gets him, too. Gets gets thrown out with the trash of the Star Destroyer. Smart guy. Yep. Thinking like a Han Solo. That's how you know he's dangerous, man. Don't mess with the Fett, dude. Don't fuck with the Fett. So they go to Cloud City. We meet the only African-American in the entire Star Wars universe, Landau, Cal- Landau Calrissian, Lando. played by Billy D. Williams. Lando. What did I say, Landau? I said yeah. Landau. Like Martin Landau. So, Billy D. Williams. Which, I have a Billy D. Williams story. You have a Billy D. Williams story? Yeah. All right, lay it on us. Uh, was at the Oscar screening for Hustle and Flow at the Paramount Theater on the Paramount lot, and Billy D. Williams comes in with two ladies. And he asked us if we could scoot down so him and his ladies could have a seat. And I told Mark to scoot over. Lando wants to sit down. And he laughed. And he said, why do white people only remember me as Lando? I said, I don't. I remember you as the Colt 45 guy, too. You should have been like, oh, hey, dude, I remember you as Harvey Dent. And then he'd be like, God, you white boys. Batman and Star Wars. I used to love how, like, you know Han and them are going to be in trouble before they're, like, seriously in trouble. Because of Luke's, like, I'm having a dream. Yeah. My friends, like, you automatically know they've they've somehow gone into a trap. This is bad for these guys. Luke, it's a trap. Did you realize that that line was in this movie? Yeah. I did not realize that. Though. I just constantly think of the big octopus. Um, I knew his name. Admiral was Atbar. Atbar, yeah. I always just thought, like, he's he's always like, it's a trap, but... Lucas, Lucas does do this where he – I have a bad feeling about this, where we constantly get these same lines that are repeated throughout the – I did not realize It's a Trap was in Empire Strikes Back said by Princess Leia in Cloud City. Yeah. That blew my mind. I don't know how many times I've watched that, and I've just – When she turns around, she sees Luke, and she yells, Luke, it's a trap. It is such a good scene, though, that it's got, like, so much, like, They're pulling them there. away from him. She wants to go get with Luke. Luke walks right into there with Vader, and the best lightsaber in the history of Star Wars universe happens at that moment. Oh, dude, that is the best light. Look, this is probably—I think this is the best sword fight ever on film. 
I mean, okay. Now, when I say that, I'm not just talking about choreography, about camera placement and lighting. I'm look, guys, the story, the dialogue, when the you're, when character you're, and when, emotion yeah, in this fight. When you're making a, a film and you have a fight scene in it. The fight is not just about choreography. It's about the story the fight tells. The story this fight tells is amazing. Even the motions of the what they're doing tells a story. Yeah. When Luke first goes up, to, he's, he's trying to be brave, and he lights his lightsaber up, and Vader just holds his up with one hand like, this is going to be easy, and kind of shows Luke, you're not as good as you think you are. It's, it's so just like every motion, every shot... Every everything is building a theme, building a moment, building building that story, pushing, pushing, push. By far the best lightsaber battle in all of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, every time Luke does something and different, I, I cannot stand it when people go, "No, it's a lightsaber battle in fantasy." No, 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 no we're, not, we're not. We're not talking about that. We're not talking. We're not talking about those fucking prequels anymore. The episode one, no, that is nowhere near this. I it, mean, is it is it flashy? Is it lots of jumping around? Sure. But it does not, does not contain any amount of emotion compared to Empire Strikes Back. Because this is intercut, too, with uh, Han being, you know, because he's already frozen he's, in carbonite yeah, at this point. He's being loaded up, taken off. And it's being intercut with Leia and Chewbacca trying to get him. Lando does a, a baby turn. He's going to help him out. What is up? Dude, I have always wanted, like, that the cyborg guy that he just, like, activates... That really kind of freaked me out when I was a kid. That like the fact that somebody would have a wristwatch and they could activate another person. I always thought it'd be pretty cool. It's just like I want one of those. <laughs> well, yeah. Why don't you have a droid? Like, why would you need a like a cyborg person? I always thought that was really weird. And the fact that they give it to the only African American in the Star Wars universe, I also thought was really bizarre. No, that he gets a. Android slave. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. A cyborg slave. Yeah. Right. And he's like, he's actually kind of like. I love on the making person. of. They don't call it a slave. They call it an assistant. Yeah. Right. Whatever. The dude's a slave. Like, if you hit your wristwatch and press a yeah, button, it can turn his, him on and off. Yeah. <laughs> come on. I don't know. I always thought that was kind of weird, disturbingly freaky. I don't know. Like the the fact that somebody would control you like that just. Uh, and you know. Okay. Speaking of freaky too, we skipped over. We'll come back to the lightsaber. We we skipped over the uh, Han Solo getting fucking frozen in carbonite. Dude, this is totally gut-wrenching. One of the best improv lines ever. Uh, uh, Kirshner's got a great story on the commentary where they apparently just did... Because the original line was, I love you too. Right. And apparently they just did all these takes of all these different lines. Apparently they wanted to go on break. Uh, they, they had to go on break for lunch. They drink beer on break in England. So the crew was ready... To have their lunch break, to get their get their pint of ale. And Harrison Ford was just like, all right, well, let's just do one more. Did one. I know. Christian was like, all right, cool, cut, print. And Bruce was like, no, 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 no. Get the one you want. We've been working on this for hours and hours. You can't just leave on I know. Christian was like, no, that's the one. I got it. We're good. Move on. I love you. I know. Great, because it's an honest line. It's not a cheesy movie line where it's "I love you too" or "I'll see you on the other side" or something. You know, it's 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 an honest. It's what a dude would say, like Han Solo. Yeah, you know. it, it, but it's it's also perfect too. It's letting her know that I've known this. I've just been waiting on you to come around. In the in the scene where Boba Fett 
brings up his blaster because, you know, Chewbacca is really pissed that they're going to take uh, Han. So he starts flipping out. Boba Fett puts his blaster up. He's going to waste this Wookiee. And Darth Vader just pushes it down. I mean, Darth Vader's got, like, so much confidence with these extra characters. Even when Lando comes in. Makes you wonder why he wanted to save the Wookiee. What does he care? Well, I don't think he was trying to save the Wookiee. I think he was just like, look, hey, don't don't worry. We we got this. Put your blaster down. We don't even need that. I guess he did promise Lando he could keep the Wookiee. I don't know. Do you think he was going to honor that deal? I didn't feel like he was going to honor that at all. He did keep, he did keep revising their deal. <laughs> Do you feel you've been... How does he say it? Do you feel you've been... been treated unfairly? Lord Vader, what about Leia and the Wookiee? They must never again leave this city. That was never a condition of our agreement, nor was giving hand to this bounty hunter. Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly? No. Good. It would be unfortunate if I had to leave a garrison here. <laughs> I love Billy D. Williams. Like, um, no. We're good here, I guess. Um, thank you. Good day. I, I like those, those little interactions that he has where he's just like, he's like, uh, excuse me? Say what? I'm Darth Vader here, dude. You do not I like. Me. I, I really like Billy D. Williams' scene where he, you know, he goes in and he's all pissed off because the Empire's changed the rules again. I, I think his character comes across very sympathetic, like he's running the city, this Empire comes in, he's caught between a rock and a hard place, and he ends up making the right choices. He is caught in a rock and a hard place, but betraying his friend. It's kind of low. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really like that at first, but he he does the right thing at the end. I don't think he has a choice. He's got a choice. No, originally Han, Leia, and Chewie were all going to be safe. All Vader wants is this dude Skywalker, and then they needed to test the carbonite. So he said, "All right, we'll test the carbonite on Han Solo, and we'll let the bounty hunter take him." Lando's pissed about that. He's like, "That's not our agreement." But no, they were always the bounty hunters are always going to take Han. The only thing they did extra was freeze him in carbonite. That's why he got the bounty hunters there in the first place. Uh, I think right? he, No, I think he said that you guys are safe. He only wants this guy Skywalker. And then later he comes in. After but Boba Fett was always going to take Han Solo. After he comes back in, he's like, okay, they're giving Han to the bounty hunter. You guys are going to be able to stay. It was revised. And then it's revised again, I guess, when they're going to take and do whatever they're going to do with the Wookiee and Leia. Yeah. Because Vader wants to keep him there. But at first, he's told that... I mean, I'm sure it was always going to, he was always going to leave with the bounty hunter, but Lando is told, these people are all right, I just want Skywalker. Yeah, I don't know, man. Still bowing down to the Empire. You can't lose your city. But brother, that city is all... That, it is a disaster area about ready to happen. That's his city, though. He built it. It's a, it's a, first off, it's a floating city on cloud. Like, what is below those clouds? That is a gas giant. Right. There is no way you can live on it. What? That's why he's got, but he's got his people. He's and in charge are, of these people. What are, they, what, are, what are they sucking up? Do they ever say what kind of gases they're sucking up? They're no, just like, we're just, gives a shit. We're, we're in Cloud City. We're sucking up some gas. And um, the, the whole point is that it's a cool little, like, they're, they're on this gas giant. And I think that's, that's what they're doing. That's always what I took they're doing. They're like, they're somehow harvesting some kind of methane or some kind of gas that they use. Yeah. Some kind of fossil fuel of some kind. I mean, that's what makes sense anyway. It's never been important to me. It's it's about, there's a trap for Luke and the bounty hunter gets on. Well, I mean, I always kind of like it because, you know, like, I don't know. Sometimes in Star Wars, I feel like you can kind of 
tell what certain rooms are going to be by the production design. Um, like the whole like when they get frozen in carbonite, I was always just thought that that's the shipping room. Yeah, because they are kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Bespin uh, Cloud City's kind of off the beaten path. But yeah, okay. Uh, I guess I guess we can go back to the lightsaber battle. We talked about the first part. They shake hands. They shake hands. Agree to be gentlemanly. Yes. Wait, what? What are you... What? No. What? Luke Skywalker thinks he, he's kind of one. He's, you know, going around. I don't really know what he's doing. I guess he's just looking for a way to get the fuck out of there at that point. I think he's looking for him. Oh, really? I always thought he kind of, like, took... He thought he took Vader out. No, I think he's looking for him. Because he puts his lightsaber back up. Yeah, but he's still moving very cautiously. Oh well, yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's you know he's he's in occupied enemy territory. And then Vader comes and unleashes the dark side. Oh my God, brother! You know what I always found interesting? Like when I was a kid, I just assumed that you know when they made the movie, everybody on the on set knew that oh that's line in the script that I'm your father. Not even Mark Hamill on set. He thought the line was uh, Obi Wan killed your father. Yeah. That's what he's reacting to. Like, even until the theater, nobody knew. They kept that such a big secret. So, yeah, Vader starts just fucking throwing everything off the walls for, um, at Luke Skywalker, man. I thought that scene was absolutely incredible, man. Like, yeah, when I, when I first saw that, like, my imagination opened up to, like, okay, well, just imagine, like, this is a Jedi, a, a fallen Jedi, fighting an apprentice Jedi. Just imagine if they were both fully trained Jedi. They, there's no way they would just fight with the swords. It would just be all, like, I thought, like, Jedi fights would be, just be all out awesomeness. I don't know how I got this in my head, but I, for whatever reason, I thought that only the bad guys would use the Force while fighting. Really? I don't know where I came up with this notion. Because it does not ex- exist anywhere. But in my, in my little kid head, like, I just, I... Because it's cheating or something? I don't, yeah, I guess, kind of, you know? It's really weird, because you don't ever see the Sith. Like, Darth Vader never uses the Force to secretly cheat somebody. Well... The Jedis do, but Darth Vader doesn't. Yeah. But, you know, the thing about Darth Vader, though, is you have to remember, in his eyes, he is not a bad guy. He is doing the right thing. In in his eyes, the Jedi turned against him, the Jedi turned against the Empire, or the Republic, and it's him and the Emperor, they brought everybody back together. They're the reason there's some sort of government. Back to this lightsaber battle, the very end part, Darth Vader says, I'm your father. Really dark moment here. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No. That's not true. That's impossible! 
Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Luke could join Daddy, go own the galaxy, or he could do option number two, which I thought was a little extreme, and jump to his death and commit suicide. Our, our hope for the best. Do you think he was trying to commit suicide, or was... I had a buddy I went to grade school with that says he jumped off and force-guided himself to that hole. No. Yeah, that's what I say. I say he committed suicide, and he got sucked into that hole... I say he was very close to saying yes to daddy, and before he would say yes, he plunked through himself over the side and would rather see what happened. Oh, wow, you thought Luke Skywalker was close to saying yes to Darth Vader? I think he was tempted, yeah. And the temptation is what pushes him to like, fuck, I can't just stay here. Oh, I see. I just thought he was like, well, if you're my dad, then... Well, his choice is like, his choice is like, either say yeah or he's going to kill him. Yeah, I think he was tempted. I think that's the whole point of the the story, is that Luke is tempted. It's what the his helmet, when he chops Vader's head off and his face is in there, is that he is tempted to go to the dark side. Yeah, there are there are, oh, there are a bunch of cool cool little character moment callbacks like this. And he does show up in the game. next in the next installment wearing all black. When when we're done, I'm going to ask you another off the air question about the prequels that I don't understand, but. <laughs> Go ahead. He, yeah, no, I, I he, think he, did, he was. He does have that callback. I think he was tempted. I think he was very much shocked that this is his father and Obi. He feels lied to by Obi Wan. I mean, you think about it. Darth Vader is the first person telling him the truth. Obi Wan lied. His uncle never told him about it. So yeah, he's tempted to say, "Fuck, well, okay, fine." You. They call out right after that. He is constantly like Luke is constantly saying like. Obi Wan, like, why would you? I love that. Like, I feel like in a modern movie, that all those lines would be just dropped. Oh no, yeah, and they 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 drill it home like three or four times. Like, this is what he is thinking about. Because, dude, that's that. I can imagine seeing this. I can't. I can't really imagine this without having seen Return of the Jedi. But if you didn't have that line, like, I would just constantly be in the theater, and be like, "What the hell?" I guess I would think that Vader would was lying to him if he didn't say that line afterwards. Vader says it, and that, that's it. That's then, all the yeah, confirmation then, you get in this movie. Well, no, there's the soul check there, where when Luke's in the... He falls, he ends up in a trash chute, Leia's able to catch him off of an antenna. The upside-down antenna. And see, this singing. is where I always, I always assumed that... You were, you were saying earlier that you didn't think Leia being his sister was ever part of the main story. I always assumed... According to Lucas, it wasn't. I always assumed they knew at this point because he was able to call to her. So he says, Leia, and she comes to him. They get him back in the Millennium Falcon. He's in the sick bay. And then Vader calls mentally to him. And at that moment, like I think that's the moment Luke felt like, oh shit, that is my dad. I can feel like that parental connection. Yeah, I, I felt like he believed him like right when he told him. Otherwise, why would he jump? Like I, I, I feel yeah, like I he think believed he believed him when when Vader said, "Search your feelings. You know this to be true." Yeah, I, I the audience though, I, if he hadn't said that Obi Wan, why didn't you tell me line? Oh I yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. if I would have put that together as the audience. I would think I would have been like, "Ah, Vader's lying to you, buddy. Don't believe don't him. Believe him. <laughs> don't believe Obi Wan's right. He's the good guy. He's not going to lie to you." Well, it's all a matter of a point of view. Oh, what a god, man! Obi-Wan man, I would have slapped his ghost ass. <laughs> Man, your point of view, dude, 
you cannot not tell me my dad is the evil ruler of the galaxy. Yeah. What if I wanted to be an evil ruler of a galaxy, man? That's why I didn't tell you, you little dick. How's a nerve herder? Yeah, yeah. According to uh, Lucas, the whole like Leia being the sister thing that was a uh, on his commentary was a, was an added on thing. He brings it up when um when Yoda has that line uh, the last time you see Yoda on Dagobah where he's like, "No, there is another." When Ben says something like that, boys are only hope. And he's like, "No, there's another." Originally, he had the, they couldn't figure out the line, but it was something like something like, "Oh, we need to find another." There was all these different interpretations of the line before settling on that one. And then that's when Luke in, uh, Leia ended up being Luke's sister. It's it's kind of crazy because like he ended up having to rework a lot of things because Obi Wan was actually supposed to be the one teaching Luke in the second installment, but he killed Obi Wan off in A New Hope. So that's where Yoda came from. Yoda came off because he killed his character off in the in the first installment. Oh, really? Yeah. So we may have never gotten Yoda. Have he not killed off Alec Guinness in the first movie? I wonder why he decided to kill him off. Oh, I I, I don't know. I think just to create some drama and some tension there. I forget what his reason was, but it was something along those lines. This series is I I don't think it's as set in stone as some fanboys like to think. It, I think it was just, you know, it was an ebb and a flow. Like, I don't know. The first Star Wars movie, he was just so worried about making that work. At- yeah, I read, a, I read a preface to something not too long ago that Lucas wrote, and it's, re- it's for Return of the Jedi. And he mentions that writing Return of the Jedi was really hard because there were a lot of loose ends that they didn't have answers for. So I'm oh, guessing, bad. like, the Le- Leia thing was... And he even mentions in that that, like, is Leia going to end up with Luke or is he, she going to end up with Han? Or is there another option? And she does, she does kiss him twice in this movie. Yeah, you can tell that they were definitely trying to do the she's going to pick one or the other. And Luke was probably going to end up going and becoming the monk Jedi dude and Han would get the girl. Yeah, I, I probably would have left out her being his sister. Okay, you know, little little awkward. I guess I really don't have that much of a problem with it because all the, all the, every time she kissed him, especially in this movie, it was like little teeny pecks. Yeah, yeah. I could see it more like a... Friendship thing. Yeah, kind of a slutty friendship thing. <laughs> <laughs> Leia's been... Look, she's been a princess. Now she's a general. She, she wants some action. <laughs> she definitely women, uh, women, needs a man or an alien. Women have needs to. Watching it as a like a, a younger... When he was able to call to Leia, I always assumed that was because she was his sister. It, like, it didn't dawn on me that just happenstance that she heard him. Yeah, because you don't, you don't really see, like, a lot of people... Force-talking. Yeah, use, use that telepathy at, really at all. Um, if they're not related or already yeah, other Jedis. He didn't go, Lando, and Lando go, hey, some fucking dude's talking in my head. <laughs> Dude, it would be awesome with Chewbacca, and then, like, Chewbacca starts talking to everybody. Like, he, to me, he would be the logical Chewbacca, because he's the, he's the pilot of the ship. That's who I would call. <laughs> so this this movie just ends. Well, yeah. They, they get away from Cloud City, and Han Solo's still frozen in carbonite. Luke gets a new hand. It's it's what's well, just like one of the old what? chapter plays. It ends, and you gotta wait for the next one to free, figure out what happens. Dude, I would lose my fucking mind if I saw this movie in the in the theater. Oh, uh, you know they're gonna do that with the new trilogy. You know that, right? Oh my gosh, dude! I don't I don't think I could wait that long, man. Can, can you Im- just imagine sitting in a movie theater 
this film ends and you're just like, all right, cool. And in another three years, I can find out what happens. Yay. Oh, my God. Dude, I'm totally spoiled by the Lord of the Rings films, like how they came out one right after the other and all those Back to the Future movies. Like, can you imagine watching Back to the Future 2 and then having to wait three or four or five years to, before seeing Back to the Future Part 3? Like, oh, my gosh. Terrible. It's kind of difficult when you're when you when we're doing like podcasts on like movies that are out in theaters. You know, you try to tell people to go see this movie. It's awesome. I can't imagine a single person that has not seen Empire. So I mean, you can say go watch it again, rediscover the joys of this movie. Uh, but you know, this week and next week, I can't imagine anybody that's not watching this again. I don't know what to say. It's you know, it's like. This is the movie that made Star Wars super special to me. And, you know, you just, you get the sense of, like, just how much more story is there that you're not even, you're not going to get told. But you want it. You want it. I mean, that's what I think created that kind of urge for, like, the spinoff universe, like, not spinoff, but the expanded universe where yeah. people want material. This universe is so rich with story possibility that you just want material. For like Return of the Jedi, I flipped open my son's novelization of it today and was just reading, just to get like a couple of lines that aren't in the movie, and totally like geeked out about it. Like, oh, he said he's gonna turn the Death Star and shoot Endor if they break the shield. Like that's you know, it's a rich story. That's what makes it so great. And Empire is the one that takes it from. It's the one that introduces the characters in a much more believable fashion. And you see them get hurt. You see them go through a lot of turmoil. But you still, even though it, it ends on a down note, you still come out at the end with your heroes. They're, they're, they're still ready to go get, they're going to go get their guy. So you're still rooting for them. They've come out of the darkness. We're going we're gonna, right, to go get him. Yeah, you see them go through a lot. And this is the one, that I think, this is the movie that attaches people emotionally to Luke, Han, and Leia. Yeah, I totally agree with that. This movie has got all the good lines in it. Um, it's it's exciting from start to finish. I love it. It's got the character development. It's got, like you said, the, the mythology. It's just everything is opened up here so much more. It's bigger. And it's it, you know it's the one where you see Luke and Han and Leia at their absolute worst. And we get to live with these characters and see see them grow and see where they're... Ah, this is everything. Like When people say Darth Vader... I think of a scene from The Empire Strikes Back, not Return of the Jedi, not Star Wars. I think of The Empire Strikes Back. That's the one. This is the one where Vader is the full, bad, evil villain. Well, this is the one where he's dominant. And oh, he's awesome. In New Hope, he's playing the henchman to Tarkin. In this one, he's unleashed. He's Vader. He's doing his thing. He's going after what he wants. He's even trying to manipulate the Emperor a little bit when the Emperor's like, kill Luke. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. We really, 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 really love this movie. Um, oh, hey, Benson, before we close out, where would you put this in in terms of sci-fi films? Is this is this number one, number two, number three, number four? Yeah, we talked about this the other day. When I think of Star Wars, I don't even think of it as sci-fi or fantasy or space op. It's fucking Star Wars. I don't compare it to any other star- science fiction movie. I'm not going to compare Empire Strikes Back to Interstellar. Dude, Empire Strikes Back is way fucking... Yeah, you can't compare them. That's I, it, they're just different. Like, it's just different kind of movie to me. Like, the Empire Strikes Back... Star Wars movies, 
yeah, they got spaceships in them. Yeah, they got laser guns. But I just don't, I don't think of them as science fiction movies. I think of them as Star Wars movies. Because they take place in outer space and they have aliens in them. I just always, always think of it as sci-fi. I know it's got so many fantasy elements in it. I'm not, you know, I'm not oblivious to that. I guess it's not what I personally look for. And I don't like fantasy films really that much. Well, no, it's just a really good story. Uh, even, you know, Abrams, not too long ago, I was reading an interview with him. It's a fairy tale told in space. A fairy tale. That's just another way of saying it's a fantasy, science fiction fantasy movie. It wasn't ever about the science in Star Wars. Like, because they, they asked him about the midichlorians and are you going to do the midichlorian? He said it's not to him the Force and the Star Wars movies were never about the science. It's about the myth and the the adventure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I guess, but it, I mean, it, it, it's got sci-fi elements in it. It's, yeah, of course it has sci-fi when, elements. When you, go, when you go to Blockbuster and rent Star Wars, it's in the science fiction section. I mean, just to me, like... When you, when you go to Netflix, these movies are under sci-fi. I didn't know Star Wars was on Netflix. Well, not now, but... It should be under Star Wars, to me. Like, fuck, it's not anything else. It's Star Wars. It, I think this is one of the top five greatest science fiction films ever made. Uh, greatest, One of the top five greatest adventure films ever made. And if we're putting it in just fantasy... Hands down, the best fantasy movie ever made. Oh, yeah. Hands down. And, you know, fuck you if you call or email and say, Lord of the Rings. No, 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 no. Fellowship of the Ring, I would say, is better than all the Star Wars movies, with the exception of Empire. Not as good as Empire Strikes Back. Not as good as that one. Fellowship, though, I do like Fellowship better than Return of the Jedi and better than the first Star Wars movie. I really, really like Fellowship, dude. Fellowship I, is really good. It is really good. I'm well not going to argue with that state, but it it's is really not good. better than Empire Strikes Back. No, it's – hell no. Hell no. This movie has got it all. I think we need to go watch it right now. All right, we're going we're gonna to get off here. We're going to go – let's go watch Empire Strikes Back again. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those, it's one of those movies that everything they did came together, and it, it just worked perfectly. Favorite Star Wars poster, Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader when he's all standing up. And it's kind of like that low angle shot of him, and then you can see the Tauntaun with Luke, and yeah. it's got Lando and Princess Leia and Han down there. Man, I love that poster. It's so retro in, in its feel, but oh, dude, it's it's my favorite of the entire trilogy. Great poster. All right, with that, you've been listening to the Movie Crew podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right. Extra E at the end at gmail.com. Um, and remember, if you guys want to suggest an episode um, that we should, or a topic that we should cover, let us know. I think it would be a really big shame not to play The Imperial March by John Williams to close out the Empire Strikes Back podcast. Enjoy. Enjoy.